Speak to us now the words of that power. Welcome. My name is Craig Thompson. I'm the other pastor here. It is our privilege to have you gathered with us this morning as we come to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles, we will be in the book of Mark, chapter 5. You can go ahead and start turning there. Mark, chapter 5. And while you're turning there, I'm going to hope that my iPad syncs because somebody forgot to do that before he got up here this morning. Whoops. It'll be fun, though. It's exciting. As you're turning, uh, one announcement that I need to make you aware of. Um, it was in your bulletin. There were some questions about it, so I'm going to clarify those questions. We are accepting um, uh, resumes and applications for uh, ministry uh, assistant position. Um, we're not creating a new position. Ginger is going to be leaving me, us, whatever term you want to use. She's leaving uh, to pursue some other opportunities the Lord's given her. So um, uh, if you have any interest, it's a part-time position. There's information about that in the bulletin. Uh, you can send an email to admin at malvernhill.org, and we'll get you an application and get you more information about that position. All right? So by now, Lord willing, you've made it to where you're supposed to be. Mark chapter 5. We're going to be reading this morning about a woman who had a major problem in her life. You know something that jumped out at me just this morning? The Bible doesn't say that this was any particular kind of a woman. The Bible says this is a woman who had a particular kind of problem. There's a difference there. We have a tendency in our culture to label people by their problem. So we don't, for instance, say that a person is depressed, or has depression, we say a person is depressed. Before we get any further this morning, let me tell you, you are not your sin, you are not your problems, you are not your struggles. You are a child of the King. And though those things may plague you, though they may beset you in odd ways, they need not be your identity. They need not be your primary defining characteristic. You are a person. This, this, just this week as we drafted the, um, uh, the, the, the announcement for the, the ministry position, whatever you call that, the ministry position, that, that position that's going to be in this, this office at the end of the hall. We changed the wording because the wording originally said any individuals interested. I said, no, 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 no. We're not going to write individual. We're going to talk about people. Because we're not just individuals. We are persons created in the image of God. So whatever it is that you came in, that came in with you today, it doesn't define you. You're not a divorced person. You're a person who's gone through divorce. There's a difference. You're not an addict. You're a person struggling with drug addiction. You're not cancerous, you're a person who has cancer. Don't allow your condition to define who you are. First and foremost, you are a human being created in the image of God. You're either a child of the king or you're not, but none of those other things matter that much. So we're going to see this morning, there's a woman who's been plagued by an illness for 12 years. But that illness didn't define who she was. Jesus defined who she was. 
Stand with me in honor of God's word. And we're going to read Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, or Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet. That is, seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. You see that there was a woman and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him immediately, there's Mark's word, turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you and yet you say, who touched my garments? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing that what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Let's pray together. Father God in heaven, you alone are worthy of all praise and honor. For Lord God, even when physicians fail, Jesus is still able Lord God, even when everything else didn't work, Jesus is still enough. And Lord God, when we run, find ourselves at the end of our rope, flat of our back, and Jesus is all we have, Lord God, we discover He's all we need. Be all we need today in Christ's name. Amen. Y'all, this is a powerful text of Scripture. Incredibly powerful passage we're going to deal with this same passage in two different ways in two different weeks. This week we're going to focus on this woman, but before we do, I want to speak just a minute about Jairus. Jairus, I've said it like three different ways this week in my office and none of them sound perfect to me, so we're just going to keep kind of saying them both and see which one sticks. But we've got two different kinds of people, not just two people, two different kinds of people. The first person we're introduced to right here is Jairus or Jairus. Now this is somebody. This man's a ruler in the synagogue. Now Jesus has finally arrived. Don't miss this. Jesus has finally arrived. Not just that he's finally arrived at home. I mean Jesus is somebody. You understand? Jesus has done all kinds of wild and crazy things. Jesus has dealt with demons on more than one occasion. Jesus has healed the sick. Jesus is handling all of his business. And in the midst of all of these things, Jesus goes across the sea. And when he gets across the sea, he encounters what? A man who's been confronted by a demon. 
And yet before he could even get there, we know that he calmed the sea. The stories about Jesus are flying all over the place. He's not just the next thing. He's the best thing. And so he shows back up. A lot of his, a lot of his enemies have certainly begun to shut their mouths. Right? Why? Because they kind of had to. At some point, you can't just keep running your mouth. At some point, we have to say there could be some truth to this. Jesus shows back up at home. He got ran out of the garrisons. They sent him home. We don't want you here. Jesus goes back. He hits the shore, and immediately, there's, Paul, there's Mark's word, immediately he's confronted by this man who just some weeks earlier probably had no time for Jesus. But you know, there's some amazing things about Jesus. First of all, at some point we come to realize there's just no other good explanation. He's either Lord, lunatic, or liar. And when you find out that he's a, he's a man that doesn't seem to mislead, when he just doesn't add up that he's crazy, you finally begin to say, there might be something to who he claims to be. So apparently Jairus had made to a, a place in his life where he said, maybe, just maybe, there's a chance that this is actually the Messiah. But you know the second thing that happened in Jairus' life that forced him to wrestle with Jesus? He found himself with nowhere else to go. He said, my little daughter is sick. She's near the point of death. Nobody else can help her. I need him. Listen to me. Deathbed confessions sometimes take place because people have not found themselves at the end of their rope long enough to recognize just who Jesus is. Never doubt the power and the efficacy of a deathbed confession. You better believe. That people can get saved in the last moments of life. Because it might be that that person has been so prideful, that person has been so strong and so resistant, that it's not until God has taken away everything that they're finally willing to look up and say, there's the only thing that gives me hope. So here's Jairus with nothing to offer. This is a powerful man. Now, when a person was the leader of the synagogue... When he was, and, and, and this is a person, a lay, this is a lay person, okay? In our church, this would be a lay person, maybe, maybe like a, a chairman of the deacons or a chairman of, of, of a committee, but much more significant, and this is why. The synagogue was not just the location for the religious experience of the community. The synagogue was the, the hub of civil life. The community kind of revolved around the synagogue. And so this man who was a leader in the synagogue was a powerful leader within the community. If you can imagine, he was involved in the religious landscape. He sat on the county council. He was probably a wealthy landowner. He was kind of who's who in Capernaum. These are the people that didn't want anything to do with Jesus. Remember, Jesus has been wrestling around dealing with the, 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 the rabble-rousers. Jesus has been, been working with the, the lower echelon. And yet, all of a sudden, this guy that has influence and power shows up. Jesus has arrived. Jesus' disciples must certainly have said, okay, here's our chance. This isn't some crazy demon-possessed man. No, 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 no. This is the guy who in the synagogue just a while back wanted us out of there. And here he is at Jesus' feet. Can you imagine Peter poking his chest out? <laughs> yeah. Who wants Jesus now? 
And so off they start, and boy, the disciples are excited. This is what we've been waiting on. Here comes the kingdom. I'm going to sit at the right. He's going to sit at the left. Everybody's going to bow down, and we're going to say, that's right, we've been here from the beginning. And on the way there, Jesus encounters a woman. Well, Jesus doesn't actually encounter her to begin with. First thing that happens is Jesus is just walking. There's nothing special here. He's on his way somewhere. On his way, the people are crowding around him. And on his way, all of a sudden, Jesus said, Whoa, now, something's going on. This woman had an audacious kind of faith that she ran up to Jesus and wasn't going to take no for an answer. How's your faith today? How is your faith? Now, here, I, 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 want, I want to clarify. I don't mean, do you have faith? That's not the primary question. Now, for some of you, you need to answer that question today. For some of you, the answer is no. You don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And today needs to be the day that you say, I don't have faith, but I need faith. If I were to die today, I'd go to hell, and I know it. Today can be the day of your salvation. Don't miss that. And don't miss doing that today. But that's not my primary question. My primary question is, how is your faith? Not do you have it, but how is it? If you went to the doctor today and they were to do, a, do some kind of weird test and go, oh, here's your faith. Folks, do you even add up to a grain of a mustard seed? Do you actually believe that Jesus can do what Jesus says? Do you? You see, the reality is you don't need all that much faith. Jesus says with a grain of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Because the question is not how much, the question is, is it? Does it exist? Do you actually have a confidence in Christ's ability? Some of you came in here today already decided that Jesus couldn't do anything for you. Listen, I'm going to ask you if you would for just a few minutes to break down the walls. Just crack open the door for me. Let me walk right in and introduce you to the Holy Spirit of God. Who might just show you that Jesus is more than you ever gave him credit for. Some of you are like J Jairus. Jairus. Whichever. You're big J. Several weeks ago. And you're in the synagogue, and that, let's just pretend that's you today, and you're going, ah, I ain't got time for Jesus. I guess that demon-possessed guy might have needed him because he couldn't get his mess together. I guess these disciples are just weak, and they need him. And maybe that dude on the other side where I heard about the pigs, maybe he did. But I'm the man, and I don't really need Jesus. Would you crack the door open for just a minute today and consider that perhaps Jesus is more than you've given him credit for? He might just be enough. How's your faith today? Listen to me. Jesus has time for you. Jesus has time for you. Jesus is on his way somewhere. And on his way, he is interrupted. Have you ever been in a situation where somebody just didn't have time for you? Maybe you've been in a situation where you just didn't have time for somebody else. Have you? I remember, and if it was one of you, I'm sorry. But I remember walking through the halls. It was here one day. I was walking through the halls. And I just kept right on walking, and somebody, it was a lady, I remember that, said, Hello, Pastor! And I caught the hint. I stopped, I turned, stuck my hand, I said, Hey, how are you? She said, I'm fine, I just wanted to make sure you noticed me. How many of you have been too busy to notice the people around you? I have. That's not okay, is it? How many of you have been on the other end of that? See, when we're the person that's busy, we think everybody should just get out of our way. But when we're on the other end, we know how it can feel. Jesus is on his way. 
to do something that is incredibly important. Do you realize that? Jesus is on his way to do something that is incredibly important. And yet Jesus still finds time to do ministry in the margins. Folks, a whole lot of the powerful, important things you'll do in your life never make it to your calendar. Some of the most important appointments in your life never, ever make it onto your phone because they are God-ordained appointments that he puts in your path. In this particular case, this was not in Jesus' agenda for the day. Jesus' agenda had been set when he stepped off of that boat. Jairus said, I've got a sick daughter and I need you. Jesus says, I'm on the way. And yet on the way, all these people are thronging about him. And Jesus stops. The disciples are going, Jesus, have you lost your mind? You want to know who touched you? Look around. Everybody touched you. We need to go. You don't need to make this guy mad. This is our ticket out of the slum. This is our chance to be respectable. Jesus stops. Jesus isn't the kind of guy that ignores the needs around him to get on to the things that he believes to be more important. Jesus focuses on what's right at hand. Jesus isn't the kind of guy that ignores you to give his attention to somebody that's, and I quote, more important than you. Jesus has time. He doesn't play favorites and he doesn't play to power or privilege. Take note of the situation. He's been approached by Jairus, who is a leader. And on his way, he stops. And he doesn't just stop for anything. It's not as though another leader of the synagogue shows up and Jesus says, Oh, well, this guy's a little more important, so let me deal with that. It wasn't like Peter stubbed his toe and Jesus stopped to heal it. Some woman shows up. Now remember, I'm not a chauvinist here, but in that culture, women were not highly respected. Beyond that, let's keep in mind, this is a woman who had had an issue of blood for 12 years. 12 years. Jesus' celebrity is increasing, but he's stopped and he's going to deal with someone who is ill, someone who is among the poor and the outcast. This is Jesus taking time to minister to a hurting woman. What are the biographies here? You got Jairus, Jairus, who knows it. I gotta quit saying both words. We just gotta take one and stick with it, don't we? We got somebody said, Amen. Really? Come on, guys. You got, you got, we'll go with Jairus. Let's just go with that. I like the long eye. We got Jairus here who is somebody, and you got nobody that has shown up on her to scene. You got this, we don't get her name. Do you realize that? It's going to be kind of cool in a minute. You're going to see something, but we don't have her name. And Jesus stops. Now look, this woman is poor. She's sick. Now how do we know she's poor? First of all, we have, she's been sick for 12 years. Okay? She has spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Well, Mark gives us a, a disparaging picture here. This is depressing. She spent every dime that she has, and instead of being better, she's worse. And it's been this way for 12 years. 12 years in a Jewish culture. It's important that we keep that in mind. Why? Because what does the Bible teach us in Leviticus? The Bible teaches us in Leviticus that a woman who had an issue of blood was unclean. 
Now this uncleanness was sort of a big deal because in this uncleanness, she was not really welcomed anywhere. Her home was not a place where other people were welcome. This is an outcast woman that nobody has time for, that nobody's been able to help. And here she finds herself pushing through the crowds. We don't fully appreciate these crowds because we're Americans, and especially Americans in the South. And as Americans who live in the South, our sort of comfort zone, our, like our, our personal space zone, that little halo, it's about two feet. Like if you're closer than this, we used to, when, when, when Brooklyn first came to us, she had no concept. She still struggles with it sometimes of personal space. And somebody taught us, and we, we used fingertips. That's what we, fingertips. Then we had to help her understand that her arms were short. And so it wasn't just if you could touch them, but if you could touch their fingertips, you know? Like, we need a halo. Y'all, if, if you're this close to me, I feel like you're coming to intimidate and threaten me, or you're just weird. I don't get it. Those of you that are close talkers, I'm just being honest, okay? I'm sorry. When you want to talk to me this close, I'm uncomfortable immediately, just so you know. Right here, this isn't good. If I can smell your breath, you're far too close for me. Because guess what? You're going to spit at some point, and when you do, where's it going? Right here. Right here, if you're going to talk this close to me, you need to be under 5'5", five five so that when you spit, it hits me in the chest. <laughs> so we don't fully appreciate it here. Because this is us. This is where our comfort zone is. Now, in places where you deal with mass transportation, people, people are a little more comfortable. You go up in New York City, they're not very friendly necessarily, but they're used to kind of cramming onto a, a, a bus or a train or whatever, and they're like this. Now, when you get out of the United States, listen, there ain't no, per there's no, there's no personal space. Give it up. Get over it. Get over it. Now, Europe, there's a little bit, but listen, you get out of that. You go into East Asia. You go to South America. You go to Mexico. Listen, just, just keep in mind, you're going to be tight with somebody. Everybody. They're all going to be all up on you, and you're going to be what is going on here. The only way that we understand this is like trying to get into a concert or trying to get into a sporting event. You know, football season will be here before we know it, and you guys will run to, most of you that love Jesus will run to Columbia and go watch a Gamecock game, football game. Pray for the rest of you. But y'all will go and listen, y'all will pack into these little, little turnstiles look like cattle being led to the slaughter. Man, we don't care. We're jostling for position. Oh, oh, we're trying to get in there. Black Friday sales, everybody's fighting to get wherever they can get. That's the only way we understand. But in other cultures, people just kind of throng in on top of each other. This is just a knot of people walking down the road. Jesus is in the middle. He's like, get back. I'm trying to walk down the road. The disciples are trying to make a way. All these people are pushing in. Jesus says, who touched me? The disciples say, have you lost your mind? Everybody's touched you. All we're trying to do is keep them from touching you, but you keep stopping and talking to people. Jesus, will you just walk? We got business to tend to. And Jesus says, oh, no, no, no. Somebody touched me. And it turns out that this somebody was a nobody as far as everybody else was concerned. And Jesus who is the ultimate somebody, looks at the person everybody else thought was a nobody and makes her a somebody right there on the spot. Jesus has time for you. You say, Jesus ain't got time for me. Jesus is busy worrying about all these other things. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus has time for you. He had time for her and he has time for you. Will you make time for Jesus today? Will you come to Jesus and bring him all of your problems? 
Will you? He's got the time. The second thing we see is Jesus has room. The Bible says that power left him. The woman runs up and says, if I touch his garments, I'll be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up. When was she healed? The minute she touched Jesus. When? Right then. Let me tell you something, folks. When Jesus saves you, he saves you all the way right away. There ain't no part of the way saved. You either get saved or you don't. That's why I have grave fear and terrible concern for people who claim to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and don't look like him. Because when Jesus saves you, he saves you to the uttermost. He changes you from the inside out. And if you've never started looking like Jesus, I want to know if you know him. This woman touched Jesus, and the Bible says right then, the flow of blood dried up. She was changed immediately. Do you know that Jesus could have kept right on walking? Jesus could have kept right on walking. But he didn't. Because Jesus had room for this woman. Jesus didn't just heal her. He had room for her. If Jesus was a doctor in our day, people would talk about his bedside manner. Now, most of the men in here couldn't care less about bedside manner. All right? You walk to the doctor, you show up. If the doctor throws the medicine in your car as you drive by, you don't care. You're good. Thank you. Appreciate it. You know, what do you have? You have cancer. Here's how we're going to fix it. Have a good day. Most men go, all right, cool. Right? Your leg's falling off, but here's some medicine. Yes. Ladies are very different. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm saying they're different. Right? And women, women want a bedside manner. I'll never forget, Angela had a procedure done some, some years back. I thought the doctor was the man. Like, I thought he was awesome. She said, what a jerk. It's <laughs> like, this guy has a reputation of being the best surgeon in the Midlands. This, this is the man. He looked at her, he said, don't you get my incision wet. She said, it's my body. Who's he think he is? I thought, that guy's awesome. But I'm not a woman. Jesus had some serious bedside manner. Jesus stops. Jesus makes room. He made the time, but then he made room. The crowd was intense. Everybody's touching him. Jesus says, who? The disciple says, everybody, but Jesus said, no, no, no. Everybody touched me, but only one person really touched me. Because when she touched me, I touched back, and I changed her life. Who is it? Where are you? Listen, folks, this woman is messed up. She knows she's been healed, but now she knows that one who has the power to heal her just by touching his garment wants to call her out in front of all these people. This is a woman who has been an outcast for 12 years. Did you show up today worried? That you'd walk into church and people would judge you? Listen, Jesus takes those that the world judges and puts them right in front of him. He changes them. Watch, we don't know her name. We have no idea. But we get this one awesome thing that Jesus does to her only. In all of the gospel accounts, just one person does Jesus say, Daughter. See what happened right there? Jesus adopted her right there on the spot. 
Gave her a brand spanking new name. You see, it doesn't matter who she was. The only thing that matters is who she is. And today we can say that woman was a daughter of Jesus Christ. She's a child of the king. Jesus made room for her. Y'all back up. My daughter is here. Man, I love my kids. I love to brat most of the time. Sloan jumped off the pew earlier. I didn't love him a whole lot right then. He said, I fail. You didn't fall. No, no, you didn't fall. That ain't possible. If you'd have fallen, we'd be wiping blood up off the floor. It was amazing. It was a spring to that fall. But I love them. But my dad loves us. Like My dad is, is like the most proud father on the planet. And it's just this awkward kind of pride. Dads do this to your kids. It's, it's awkward. I hope I can do it to mine. You know, I, I do, because it's really embarrassing and uncomfortable, but at the same time, it kind of makes you want to puff your chest out all up in one time. And my dad loves to take us places and just tell people what we do or who we are. It's, it's uncomfortable, right? This is Craig. He's got four kids. You know, my mom called me some while back. Somebody had come to her looking for my address um, for something, and she said, and I wrote it down, Dr. Craig Thompson. She called us. That's the first time I've ever called you doctor. She said, and it felt good. I said, well, do it a little more often if you don't mind. <laughs> she didn't. Man, they let them poke their chest. I said, this is my son. This is my daughter. I've seen some of you bring your children into church. You say, Pastor, I want you to meet my son. Pastor, I want you to meet my daughter. Let me tell you what she does. And you know what I see? I see those chests puff up. I see mom and dad strut just a little bit. Well, mom and dad, hey, if you're here and your parents attend church somewhere else, once in a while, don't do it real often because we don't want to lose you, but once in a while, show up with mom and daddy. Show up, take the kids. Walk into church with them. Let them worship with you. Let them feel good when they brag on you. And man, watch, there's joy. This woman shows up. Jesus says, oh, here she is. People say, yeah, we know who she is. That woman's unclean. She's poor. She's been begging by the street for years. We ain't got time. Jesus, go on to Jared, Jairus' daughter. We ain't got time for this. Jesus, no, no, you don't understand. This is my daughter. Jesus had room for this woman to give her what no one else had ever been able to give her. He healed her and he made her whole and welcomed her back into society. With fear and trembling, she approaches Jesus going, what in the world is he going to do? What's he going to say? She made her way to Jesus and she was healed. But healing wasn't the only thing she needed. She needed to be made clean, but she also needed to be made whole. Jesus didn't just heal her. He noticed her. He acknowledged her brokenness. And he gave her, you ready? Peace. Now we can read through that. And, and, and peace is kind of one of those words that gets thrown around by politicians or whomever all the time. You know, world peace is whatever beauty queen wants. Peace in the Middle East is what all the politicians want in the 90s. But we, we, we miss the full appreciation for a Hebrew understanding of peace. The, the Hebrew word is Shalom. Shalom, it means more than just the absence of warfare. It means wholeness, completeness, harmony. Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Before he told her that she was healed, go in peace. Go be whole. Go be complete. 
You're a child of the King. Jesus has room for you. Not just a guest room. Not just a back room. There's room at the feet of Jesus for you. And when you show up at the feet of Jesus, <laughs> Jesus doesn't say, look at this outcast that came back. Jesus welcomes you as the prodigal son. He races to meet you. He puts a ring on your finger and a robe on your back. He throws a feast. He says, my child is home. Some of you worried. You're bothered. You're concerned. Because you've been struggling for all these years. And Jesus doesn't seem to be anywhere. Maybe Jesus is standing there waiting for you to fight through the crowd and reach out and just touch the hem of his garment. When you touch it, everything's going to change. Maybe if you spend a little less time blaming Jesus and a little more time running after him, you'd find out that he's got time for you, he's got room for you, and finally there is power in the name of Jesus. You've been sitting around waiting for Jesus to notice your need. Sometimes Jesus does that. In John chapter 5, we read about Jesus walking along one day. He notices a man in Jerusalem laying by the pool named Bethesda. Jesus walks by and he just asks the guy, hey, you want to be made well? Like Jesus notices this guy in his need. Do you want to be made well? The guy says, yeah, yeah, I think I do. But, but he's got all kinds of excuses. I do, but, but Jesus, every time I try, I can't. There's nobody to help me. Jesus says, that's because nobody can help you, but somebody can, and I'm here. A lot of you have been laying by the pool of Bethesda, waiting. The problem is your legs ain't broke. See, Jesus noticed the man that couldn't get there. You see that? Jesus noticed him. He was paralyzed. He couldn't get in there to be healed. He couldn't get to where he needed to be. Jesus went and found him and healed him. But your legs ain't broke. That's how we say it back up in Spartanburg. That's how you say it down here too. That ain't. Your legs are not broken. You can't fix yourself, but you can get to Jesus and he's waiting on you. You understand? You're sitting at home going, where's Jesus? I wish he'd show up. And Jesus is going, I'm standing outside the front door. All you got to do is walk out. There's power in Jesus. So sometimes Jesus walks by and he sees him. He he looks at the guy. I listened to Tony Evans preach this morning. I started to not even preach this sermon. I started just to come and try and re-preach that or or just put it on radio or something for y'all to listen to. Man, he, yo. He talked about that guy at Bethesda, or Bethsaida, however you say it. He talked about him right there in John 5. He says, look at all the things Jesus told him to do. He says, get up, take your bed, and walk. He just told him to do three things he couldn't do. He said, if I could do all those things, I wouldn't be laying right here. Jesus says, oh, you can now. And he got up, he took his bed, and walked. Tony Evans said, the thing that had borne him, he was now being borne by him. The burden that held him was now held by him. Some of you have leaned on your burdens for far too long, and Jesus is telling you to take and walk. This woman was sick as a dog. She was in a mess, but her legs weren't broke. She said, I got only one hope. I got only one chance. Everything else has failed me, but if I can just get to him, if I can just make it to Jesus, my whole outlook is going to be changed. Have you tried to get to Jesus yet? 
You say, Jesus hadn't helped me. I'm curious, have you made it to him yet? This woman fights through the crowd. She's crawling. She's scraping. She's wore out. She's tired. This woman's been hemorrhaging blood for 12 years. She's anemic. She is exhausted. Just getting out and amongst these people who don't like her, who don't want to be touched by her. And in the midst of all that, she's got to muster the energy to walk fast enough to keep up with Jesus. Mark said he was immediately going somewhere. Jesus is in a hurry to get there. And this woman's got to find a way. Maybe she hears about where he's going. And she sets an ambush and she waits. She sees the crowd coming. She sees them and she's waiting. She's got just one shot and she knows it. They get close. She lunges out into the crowd and she just barely grabs it. And right in that moment, Jesus turns around and says, Who was it? And she finds out that even on his way to heal a daughter, even after he's calmed the storm, even after he's cast out 2,000 demons, Jesus still has enough power. To heal that which nobody else could change. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the blood of Jesus. There's even power in the clothes of Jesus. Because there's enough power in Jesus' name to save you to the uttermost and to make you whole. There's no set way that Jesus heals. You've been waiting all this time and Jesus hasn't changed your situation. Will you do me a favor today? Would you run to him? You've been sitting around waiting for Jesus to show up. And I'm here to tell you today that you've been sitting there blaming Jesus all these years. Some of you are looking for the blessings of Jesus, but you're not willing to deal with the commands of Jesus, the expectations of Jesus. You've been sitting around going, well, if Jesus loved me, he'd do all this. And I'm sitting here telling you, he loves you enough to die on a cross for you. And he's standing here waiting and begging you, would you come? Well, if he loved me, if he loved you, what would he do? He'd die for you? He did that. Well, if he loved me, he'd give me away. He did that. If he loved me, he'd tell me he did that. You know what the only thing he didn't do is drag you up off the couch and pull you kicking and screaming where he is. Jesus was on his way somewhere else, but even as he walked through the crowded streets of Capernaum, there was still power. There is always power in Jesus. Think of this woman. Think of her faith. Jesus said her faith made her well. What was her faith? You think other people around her noticed this woman's faith? They didn't notice anything about this woman. They didn't even notice her. Okay? They didn't even notice her. She didn't wear a t-shirt that said, Jesus is my, my Savior. You know? She didn't update her Twitter feed on my way to see Jesus. Her Instagram wasn't like selfies of her with her Bible and her coffee. Hashtag getting ready for church. She didn't have nothing. It was precisely in that place where she didn't have anything else that she found the source of everything. Her faith was simple, but it was enough. What was it? She had faith that Jesus could heal her. That was it. That was it. What do you believe? You know what she couldn't have done? Written a systematic theology. Nope. She couldn't have written a dissertation. She couldn't have written, she couldn't have written a term paper. She didn't have it. Explain to us how you understand the atonement. She got, I don't know. What is that? Tell us what you believe about the full extent of Jesus' work as the Messiah. Kind of like the blind man that was confronted 
Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? He said, I can tell you this. I was blind and now I see. Zip. Lady, what do you believe about Jesus? Do you think he's the Messiah? <laughs> I don't know. But I know this. I believe in the bottom of my heart that if I can just get to him, my life's going to change. If I can just get there. Lady, how are you going to plan on getting there? She's like, come hell or high water, I'm going to tell you where I'm going to be. I see the boat coming in. Sweetheart, you don't understand. He's on his way to do something important for somebody that matters. She said, you don't understand. I don't have hope in anything except that right there. Remember what I told you to begin with? Remember I told you that we allow our circumstances to define who we are. We don't just become people who have lost hope. We become hopeless. Some of you aren't just a person who's been diagnosed with depression. You are depressed. And boy, that's a hard thing to get out of, isn't it? We begin to own it. I begin to own my diagnosis. I begin to own my station in life. I'm not just a person who doesn't have any money. I'm poor. I'm not just a person who's getting older. I'm old and elderly. I'm not just a person who can't walk. I'm handicapped. This woman had begun to own that identity. I'm unclean. I'm broken. But somewhere through all of the fog for pain, she said, but maybe, but maybe there's one And that maybe become a probably, and somewhere along the way, maybe from, went from probably to absolutely. You see, maybe kind of faith won't get you out of bed and get you to Jesus. Probably kind of faith won't get you out through the crowd to Jesus. Hopefully won't do it. But nothing but Jesus will give you the courage to fight hell to get to the foot of Jesus. Maybe you're here today and hell has fought you and hell is fighting you today. And I'm telling you that if you'll just listen to me, Jesus can make you whole. He can make you clean. He can save you. He can forgive you. He can change you. And there's power in the blood of Jesus. Do you know that Jesus can heal you? No, no, listen to me. Not do you think. Not do you hope. I'm asking you today, do you have the faith? Jesus said this woman's faith made her well. What faith did she have? She didn't have a whole lot of an educated faith, but she had faith in this one thing. Jesus can heal me. Do you believe that Jesus can make you well? Do you believe that Jesus can make you whole? Do you? Do you know it? When was she healed? Immediately. Immediately, right away. You want Jesus to change your life? He'll do it today, right now. He starts today. You say, Pastor, you don't know. No, 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 no. You don't even have to talk about me. This isn't a Craig Thompson issue. Craig Thompson can't change your life. But Jesus can take the broken pieces and put them all back together again. Jesus can take that which was burned up and make it new.
There was power for this woman who had been sick for 12 years and there's power for you today. I know you got excuses. You think she didn't? Let me tell you what the devil said to her. He'll laugh at you. They won't let you get near him. Have you, have you seen those disciples? Those guys are tough. How are you going to fight through them to get to him? See, that was everything. She was having all these things before she ever got out the door. You understand? Before she ever started that way, all of the fears, all of the doubts swirled around in her head. She could hear the laughs of the people as they'd walked by all those years. The children that had pointed, unclean, unclean, ha, ha, ha. And here she was going to have to go out in the daylight, in the sunshine for the whole world to see her. She was used to everybody running away. is isn't that much different than the demon-possessed man, is it? And then when she got out there, you don't think the devil did wonderful tricks in her brain? All of a sudden, it got worse. It wasn't just that they're going to look at you. No, no. He's on his way to deal with somebody who matters, and you're nobody. But somewhere, somewhere, she became convinced. And I believe the power of the Holy Spirit working in her life. She became convinced that Jesus wouldn't turn her away, that Jesus wouldn't laugh, that Jesus would heal her. But then Jesus just made it that much better. What did he do? He made time. He made room. <laughs> then he made her a daughter of the king. Would you come today become a child of the king? Would you? There's room for you. Some of you need to come just lay your burdens down right here. Some of you are followers of Jesus, but you followed from afar and you've held on to those burdens for far too long. Today can be the day you lay them down right here. Right here. See, we've, we've kind of gotten into this culture that says, well, I, I'll do it on my own. Listen, come right down today. Don't wait. Give it to the Lord. Watch what happens when you lay your burdens down. When you stop allowing them to support you and you allow Jesus to give you new legs to heal you immediately. Would you come today? Regardless of what the Lord's doing in your life, would you come today? Would you run to Jesus? He's walking by today. Will you reach out and just grab the Him? Maybe you say, Jesus, I don't know if I can do it. Lord, I'm scared to death. Maybe you're like Moses, I can't see all of you. All I can do is maybe just grab the Him of His garment. You ever thought maybe that's the reason she didn't grab onto His feet? She said, I'm unclean and filthy. I can't stand to touch Jesus, but if I can just get to His garment. Maybe you think you're too dirty. Let me tell you what happens when you grab just a little bit of Jesus. He gives you all of him, and he makes you a child of the king. Will you come today and receive Jesus? Stand with me as we pray. Lord God in heaven, I pray that you would work through the power of your word. Father God, I pray your Holy Spirit would work abundantly more than the words of this preacher could ever hope for. That, Father God, you'd work in the hearts of this people. You'd help us to see that you've got time, you've got room, and Lord God, praise Jesus. There's power. In the name of Jesus, amen. Would you come this morning as we sing? You are-